You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right, grab a seat. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. The privilege to worship you uh, and be refreshed, God, as we worship together. We invite your spirit now in this time together just to minister through the storyline of the seeing uh, families dedicate their children to you, uh, hearing testimonies about God's grace, empowering others to serve in the church, and Lord, ultimately looking to your son Jesus Christ as the model uh, of uh, service. And so we invite you, Lord, in this time to minister to us and through us in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Hey guys, well, today is a special day. Um, Pastor Jonathan's going to be preaching. I'm really excited about that. He's given me the opportunity to work on a lot of other projects within the church. Uh, we're continuing in our service, our series called Grace. It's all about grace. Uh, this morning, we're going to be doing a baby dedication, and uh, it's going to be a special, special time. If, if you feel like, man, I wish I would have had my baby dedicated today, we've got a number of requests uh, at the last minute, and we want to encourage you, those of you that I'm talking to, December 3rd is the next one. You can go ahead and register for that, and uh, we'd love to have you uh, be a part of that. So this morning, I want to invite up uh, Meredith, the director of North Valley Kids, and uh, two different families, uh, the Browns and uh, the Warners. So if you guys would go ahead, let's give them a warm welcome. All right. Well, today's a special morning. Baby dedications, really, we, we could call it parent dedications because what we're doing is we're really dedicating the whole household uh, to know and to follow Jesus Christ. And we've told you guys before as parents, the opportunity to have kids is a blessing. And uh, really, uh, these, the Bible says that they're a gift, to, a gift from the Lord. So uh, Meredith, why don't you introduce the, sure. our families? Well, this is Patrick and Katie Brown, and this is big brother Gideon, and today we're going to be dedicating Nehemiah David Brown here, and this is Thaddeus Augustine Brown. And the scripture for both of them is, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves do not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. And I have a special prayer for each of the boys here. For Nehemiah, their parents' prayer is that prayer would be his first resort, and that he would serve God with boldness like Nehemiah did, that he would grow into a man after God's own heart like David was. And for Thaddeus, that he would walk closely with Jesus like Thaddeus did, and that he would boldly protect and promote promote God's truth like Augustine did. And over here we've got Gary and Samantha Warner, and this is Zachary Levine Warner. And his scripture is, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And that's Isaiah 40, 31. And I love his story. He was dedicated, his name was selected because he had a, Gary had a friend that, um, survived a childhood disease for a long time, but um, had fought it with mighty strength before it took his life. And that's what they want Zachary, the prayer for Zachary, is that he would walk with the strength of his friend. Well, you know what the Bible says about children in Psalms 127.3? The Bible says that children are a gift from the Lord and they are a reward 
uh, for him. There you go. He's just showing you what a gift he is. Uh, the Bible says that they're, to, they're a gift. A gift is to be enjoyed. A gift is to be developed, a cherished. And so these kids, in so many ways, are a gift from God, and they're to be uh, developed and discipled, and they are the next generation. And um, parents, you guys have the great opportunity and the privilege to help shape the next generation through discipling and developing your children. Um, so with that being said, is uh, the way we like to do uh, baby dedications at North Valley is really we're dedicating these households to know and to follow Jesus Christ. And the mom and the dad have the primary role and responsibility to disciple their children. And so church, I'm going to ask you in a minute if you'll commit to supporting them, these families, uh, and every family that comes here at North Valley that wants to dedicate their children, support them through prayer and encouragement and, and support. And so... Um, First, I'll start with you guys, uh, Wanners. Uh, let me ask you this question. Um, will you commit Gary and Samantha to raise Zachary uh, Levine Warner to know and follow Jesus by the grace of God according to his word? All right. And for you, Patrick and Katie, will you commit to raise Nehemiah, uh, David, and Thaddeus, Augustine, uh, Brown and Nehemiah uh, to know and follow Jesus according to the word. Yeah, all right. Well, let me pray. Uh, but before I do, let me ask you, church, will you guys commit to support and encourage these families? All right. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these families, the dedication of these children. We pray, uh, Lord, that they're they would be developed and discipled uh, to know and to follow you um, by your grace and through your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Let's celebrate them one more time. Yeah, and we have a special book, a storybook Bible. Tell us what, what that is just a little bit. The Jesus Storybook Bible has, it's a goes through the whole Bible, and it, Points, every story points towards Christ. So whether it's in the Old Testament pointing forward towards Christ or every story points back to the cross um, or towards the resurrection. So it's a very um, specific book that teaches about Jesus in every single lesson. Yeah, well, that's exciting. Well, thank you guys for being a part. Let's celebrate them one more time. All right. Well, hey, guys, let me invite up uh, Pastor Jonathan. He's going to be preaching this morning. If you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and open it up in John. And uh, let's give Pastor Jonathan a warm North Valley welcome as well. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Well, we've got some uh, stage transitions going on, don't we, this morning? Well, hey, North Valley, so glad that you're here this morning again. My name is Jonathan. I serve as the executive pastor here. It's my privilege to be up here this morning. I want to just remind you we're in this series, It's All About Grace. And it's been an enriching time, and I, I pray it's been bless, blessing you in your life as well. And we're going to continue on um, today. And today it's Grace Serves, but I want to remind us, these are the topics we've talked about so far. We've talked about Grace Welcoming. We've talked about Grace Forgives. We've talked about Grace Adopts. Grace Frees. Grace Saves. And Grace Invites. And so today as we are going to be in the book of John chapter 13, if you have a Bible, I invite you to go ahead and turn there to John chapter 13, uh, grab your phone, smart device, whatnot, get on the Bible app, 
um, as we will be there today. Well, as, as we get going here, um, you know, from time to time, you just have moments in your life you can kind of reflect on what's been going on maybe the past day or the past week. And, and I had one of those moments. Um, I was thinking back, my wife and I enjoy going to the gym on a regular basis. And so one morning I had walked into the gym and uh, there was just something a little bit different. The air was tense. Maybe you've experienced this in your life where you go to a familiar environment, but, but as you enter, you just kind of sense there's something a little bit different going on. So in my mind, I was kind of trying to figure out what was going on. So I got in there and, uh, you know, went up to my friends that are there. The gym we go to is, is we, we exercise as a class. So it's not um, like a gym where I would just go in and hit some weights on my own or a machine on my own. But the class gathers, we warm up together, we work out together. So it's kind of this group mentality. And so when, when there's something off in the group, you kind of want to figure out what's going on. So I, there's just this tension there. And, and I couldn't quite figure out what was going on until this one gal is walking across the gym and she's just like throwing these phrases out, you know, just barking. And, and I kind of, I looked over and there was a small group of guys over here and I was wondering like, what's going on with her? And come to find out those guys had done the unimaginable. They had set up to work out in her spot. We laugh, right? But I'm kind of curious, maybe, did anybody, well, don't raise your hand. Did you sit in a different seat today? Because quite likely you have just taken somebody's spot for the morning we're creatures of habit, right? We have these rhythms that we settle into. But it's real. Maybe, maybe we joke about the seats, but maybe you experience this in your job, perhaps. Maybe you've been at a job for a season of time, and you've worked hard, and you've, you've, you've earned kind of your keep in the company or, or, or the role, and people are starting to figure you out, and, and you kind of figure, you know, hey, I've been here for a while, and I'm working up. That, there's a promotion coming, and that's going to be mine. But then what happens when that new person moves in and they don't get kind of the rules? <laughs> they start coming in and infringing on your territory and you're like, uh-oh, don't be coming up in my space. That spot's for me. You know, we kind of do this jockeying like, hey, this is my area. This is my territory. This is my spot. Don't come in on my area. Like you little one, you stay over here. You know, that's the context that we find ourselves in John chapter 13. Jesus is on earth, and he's got 12 disciples, and he's called them out and said, hey, spend some time with me. I'm going to invest in you, and I'm going to train you up. In fact, he tells one of them, I'm going to train you to be fishers of men. So he's investing in their lives, and the, what's going on, the context that's happening right here is Jesus is coming to the end of his days on the earth. And the disciples, have, they, they know this promised Messiah means some really radical things are going to be going on. And so they start doing that little elbow jockey to, to get their position because they want the, the, the position of privilege. They want that status that kind of sets them apart from everybody else. And I'm, I'm not talking the disciples against the rest of the people. I'm talking about within the 12 disciples, they are arguing over who's going to have the status, who's going to get that position of privilege, who's going to be top dog, you know, so that they can wield the power and the influence. They're arguing about this stuff. We... We understand that, don't we? We get that because there's just something in us. I, it, it could be in a family. It could be between your brothers and sisters. It could be maybe there's an inheritance coming and you're, you're trying to jockey to make sure you get yours. Maybe it's in the job position. Where, wherever it is, we kind of understand that, what's going on. And here's the amazing thing that we're going we're gonna to see how Jesus 
grasps the situation and does the unimaginable of turning upside down their understanding about what it means to have value and worth and position. So join me as we jump into John chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 1 and read through verse 17 together. It says verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Well, Lord, not my... Not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. Verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Well, here's where we're going to start out today, guys. I want to give you kind of a summary of the the entire text. I did my best to craft one, one sentence for us, but then we're going to spend our, a little time this morning unpacking what that means. So out of John 13, verses 1 through 17, we learn that understanding our position as grace recipients motivates us to serve all others as the fullest expression of love modeled by Jesus. So understanding our position as grace recipients motivates us to serve all others as the fullest expression of love modeled by Jesus. Jesus gives this amazing example that turned upside down this leadership culture, this serving culture, this like position and rights and privilege culture for, the, for his disciples. In the context, verse 1, it says, it, it, it says um, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world. So remember, the story of Jesus is he's on earth, the God-man on earth. And in just a few hours, no more than 12 hours later, he's going to be dying on the cross for the sins of the entire world. In that moment, what would you be thinking about in that moment? I'm thinking I need a little rest. I'm thinking that I need to get ready for what, what this journey that I'm about to go on. But Jesus, in that moment, sees his 12 disciples and understands heart issues going on and says, I'm going to, I, I, I need to give a little attitude adjustment to these 12. He, he should be saying, hey, serve me, take care of me, encourage me. This is, we're in the final hour. This is what we've been, been preparing for. Come on, guys. 
But instead, he sees these 12 and goes, I'm going to need to minister to their hearts for a few moments because they're still not getting it. They're quarreling, bickering, arguing over who's going to get the status, privilege, position. A totally different concept. Jesus is not seeing himself. He's seeing these 12 and saying, I'm going to take care of you in these moments because you need this. So Jesus models humility through serving. Instead of thinking about himself first, Jesus is seeing the 12 before him and going, I'm going to take care of you in these moments. I'm going to serve you in these moments. I'm going to turn it upside down. You're fighting about who's the greatest among you, and I'm going to show you who the greatest is by becoming the least of all a servant. Do you catch Peter's reaction to him in verse 8? This is what Peter says. You shall never wash my feet. Now, it's not just a, hey, don't wash my feet, Jesus. It's a, whoa, get back. Like, no. What what, what Peter is is, uh, highlighting for us is like, Jesus should not be touching his feet. See, Jesus isn't walking around in Air Nikes. You you guys can do this, right? Get some flip-flops on, go out to our unpaved parking lot, walk around for a little bit in the desert. Your feet are going to get dirty. But not just the dirt from probably the dust in the roads, but if you enter into a town that doesn't have um, septic systems or sewer systems, like your feet are not just dusty, dirty, they're dirty that that we don't want to talk about dirty. And Peter is, is, is he, he can't comprehend what Jesus is doing. Like, no, Lord, teacher, don't touch my dirty feet. Like, get a, like, you can't wash those. See, in the culture in this time, a slave servant would wash the feet. But not just a slave servant. It would be somebody for the Jewish people. They wouldn't even allow their own ethnic people to wash feet. They would go find a non-Jewish person that would take on the role and responsibility of of cleaning dirty feet as people entered a home. Like they wouldn't even allow, like that's just the concept they have that they wouldn't let anybody that was of the same ethnic group as them do the feet cleaning. And so Peter is just like blown away, like, no, Jesus, don't, that's not your position. Like, don't do this. But Jesus models humility through serving because he's working on making an attitude adjustment for these 12 disciples that have the wrong understanding of what it means to have value and worth. They're fighting for position, and Jesus says, you don't need position. You don't need position. Also, think about who's in the room with Jesus. Jesus, in his humility, serves friend and foe alike. Jesus isn't selective in his service because his service is gracious. So in the room, we have 12 disciples. But look at verse 2. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, that's the context of when this happens. Jesus has an enemy in the room, and he knows he has an enemy in the room. He doesn't single out the enemy and say, okay, I'm going to do something special for these 11, but for you one, my enemy, get over here. I'm not going to serve you. Jesus, the grace comes out of Jesus in just overflowing that the friend, the foe, both alike are blessed and served by Jesus. It's hard for us to understand this. I'm not talking about the person on Facebook that you see their monologue going that you don't really like, but they're a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, so you see their feed. I'm not talking about that person that's so far removed from you. I'm talking about maybe for us, 
If you're married, it might be somebody as close as your spouse. Or a friend that you've spent like from birth. You've been with this friend and they know you. They know the stories that you don't tell everybody else. But it's not just that you know them. You've shared life. You share a specialness with them. Jesus chose these disciples and said, you have free access to my life. I'm going to invest my life in you and I'm going to share it with you. That's the friend. That level of closeness, that's the one that betrays him. And in those moments, Jesus knows Judas is going to betray him, and yet he serves him anyway. The grace of God is not selective. So as we experience the grace of God, as, we, um, as that flows through our lives, we don't get to select either to only be nice to those people that are nice to us or the ones that we like. Jesus is turning upside down for the disciples what they thought they knew. He turns it upside down and says, you don't really get it, so I'm going to model it for you. I'm going to take the humblest, lowest position that you could possibly understand, and I'm going to serve you out of that. And I'm not just going to do it to the ones that I like or the ones that love me. I'm going to do it to the ones that are going to betray me. My enemy is before me, and yet I'll serve that one too. Whoa. You know, I'd love to stop there because that's enough challenge for my life. I could work on that for a little bit. But here's the problem. The text doesn't let us stop there because there's a whole lot going on here than just that. See, the writer John gets to the heart of the issue. He gets to the motivation of the issue. If we stop here, what we have is another one of those shoulda, coulda, woulda, ought to, do this, this is expected of you, and so try to behave well. That is anti-grace. Do you remember when Pastor Ryan taught us the position, like the lifestyle of religion, where you have a list of things that you need to do, a set of behaviors that are acceptable and a set that's not, do the acceptable ones and you're accepted? That's not grace. That's religion. That's, I'm going to try to do it out of my own strength, my own power, and I'll do it for a season, and maybe it looks good to all of you guys, but we all know when I get home, I'm talking about all my enemies in the room. I'm talking about how I outserved you. That's religion. This is fascinating. Stay with me as, as the writer unpacks this for us. The grace position is the power position. Check this out. Look at verses 3 and 4. <clears throat> As John is writing, setting this up, he says this in verse 3 and 4, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper and then continues the story. Jesus, knowing that God the Father was in complete control of everything, knowing his relationship to God the Father, he came from him and he was going back to him. He was not about to lose anything. He didn't have to fight for his position. He didn't have to hold that, I, no, I'm the Lord, I'm the teacher, I'm the master, disciples, serve me in this moment. I'm about to die on a cross for you. Come serve me. Jesus goes, I am so secure in who I am. I understand that God the Father is in complete control. He's given all things into my hands. I come from him and him to him I'm going back to. I can give up everything because in giving up everything, he gains everything. 
That's our position, friends. For those of us who believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, we have been saved. Grace saves. Not only that, we have been adopted as sons and daughters of the God of the universe. That's everything you need. I don't have to fight for position. I don't have to jockey in line for some position at a job. I don't have to jockey so that some people can think well of me. I've been given everything in that moment as a son of the Most High God. I've been given everything. I have God's unmerited favor in my life. I don't have to fight for it. I can give up everything in who I am and I've lost nothing. I've actually gained everything because I don't want what my life can produce. I want what God's life can produce through the blood of his son. The grace position is the power position. I can give up anything because ultimately I've already gained everything. Jesus knew that. He understood his position and so he didn't risk anything. Number four, love is evidenced by self-sacrificing service. Check this out, what the writer says. At the tail end of verse one, he, Jesus, loved them to the end. Not just Jesus loved his disciples at the end of his life. He loved them to the end. I think what John is writing about here is not just a time frame. He's actually writing a degree line. Jesus didn't just love them in a time frame. He loved them to a degree. He loved them to the nth degree. Jesus so loved his disciples that he was willing to give his entire life for them. He was willing to go to the cross. He tells them, you don't really understand what's going on right now, but you will. You will after, after I've gone to the cross. You don't really get it in these moments, but you will. He tells Peter, look back to verse 8, when Peter is saying, hey, don't wash my feet. At the tail end, Jesus says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. That word share means inheritance. Jesus isn't just talking about washing feet and saying, hey, Peter, if you're not going to let me serve you, then you need to just get away from me, okay? You don't get it. You're, You're ruining my example here. Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, listen, if you don't get what I'm doing, and it's more than washing feet, it's going to the cross to die for your sins. If you don't get that, there's no inheritance for you or for anybody. Let me do what I have been sent here to do. Let me self-sacrificially give my life for you, and then you will have an inheritance. That's the same promise for us. To accept the work of Jesus Christ on the cross means we have an inheritance. We are adopted. We are freed. We are welcomed into the family of God. And when we understand that, when we get God's grace in our life, We can give up anything because we've already gained everything. We don't have to fight and jockey for position. We can evidence love through self-sacrificing service. Now, I'm not just talking about the, we're going to have a church potluck out here this afternoon, and I'm not talking about, I'm going to let you guys go in front of me in line for some food. You know why we do that, right? You really want to fill your plate a little bit fuller and you don't want anybody to see you do it. So, no, go ahead. Go in front of me. No, I'm talking about sacrifice that costs you something. Sacrifice, if we look at the example of the cross, that causes you to bleed. Because your life is secure in Christ. You have the fullest possible reality in that you have eternity with Jesus. So you know what? I don't have to jockey for a position at job at a job, 
by all means, work hard, succeed, progress in your skill and in, in corporate America. Do that. But you don't have to jockey for position because you have eternity with Jesus. That position will end one day, but you have eternity with Jesus. I don't have to jockey for value and worth with a bunch of people so they can think that I look really good because I have eternity with Jesus. Ultimately, it doesn't matter if people think that I'm a great guy or not a great guy. I have eternity with Jesus. The grace position is the power position. Love is evidenced by self-sacrificing service. And finally, God's grace motivates us to act. Look at verse 17. Jesus says this, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Out of our understanding of God's grace, His unmerited favor in our life, we risk nothing. We've got nothing to lose. We have eternity with Jesus in front of us. I don't have to scratch away for some existence here. God's already given me the fullness of life that I can experience. And the fullest expression of love as a follower of Jesus Christ is that I give my life away for you. And you give your life away for each other. That's the fullest expression of the love of Jesus Christ. That's because that's the model he gave us. Not because it's easy. But it's because it's the model he gave us. Jesus loved them to the end. To the fullest degree possible. And it looked like going to the cross. It looked like shedding his blood for our, the sins of the world. It's a mightily high example. And we cannot carry it out except that. We have God's grace. And so when I have the eternity of Jesus, with Jesus in front of me, there's nothing over here that really matters. There's no position that I have to have. There's no jockeying for value and worth that I need to do when the eternity of Jesus is before me through the grace of God. I want to take a few minutes and invite Nick and Crystal McGriff to join me up here. I want you guys to hear a little bit of their story. They wouldn't choose to be up here, so let's welcome them up. Now, there's a lot of people who could be up here. What Nick and Crystal, their example for us, I can't even speak, so there we go. I'm treading the way for you guys. Their example is self-sacrificing service. But it's not out of I ought to. It's not out of expectation. Listen to their heart and hear how it's motivated by the grace of God. So Nick and Crystal were um, moving up into the North Valley back in 2013. And uh, Crystal's co-worker, Nanette Mashoni, a school teacher, um, just like last week, invited her to come and see what was going on at this little fledgling church four years ago. And um, they jumped in. So Tell us, guys, how did you uh, not just get connected to the church, but how did you get connected to serving? Um, we first jumped in after a, a call to serve on Easter. There was kind of a big, big need to come and fill some gaps, so we jumped in there. Um, we jumped in with North Valley Kids. And uh, eventually I moved over to working with the AV team, so I'm now serving as the AV team lead. Um, which means I get things ready and make it so we can have cool pictures. <laughs> crop, crop my photo so that everyone can see our faces. 
Um, nice. And uh, help coordinate the team members that help us have a distraction, you know, try to reduce distractions and allow people to connect on Sunday mornings. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, what motivates you to serve? Um, I have to read from my, my note. Sorry. <laughs> um, Notice a technical director reads from a <coughs> phone. I don't, I don't waste paper. paper. <laughs> I don't waste paper. Um, I share the vision of the church leaders, which is to win the North Valley for Christ. And I want to be part of a team that makes a positive impact on the community and helps bring people closer to Jesus and ultimately um, connects them to the community of believers um, for support. The future is bright, and we need to work together to realize that vision and change this community for the better. Um, and I'm motivated because I love Jesus and I love the littles. Uh, I get the chance to share the love of Jesus with them every Sunday. Um, and while I'm doing that, uh, it's also an opportunity to let parents come over here and grow and worship and grow in the Lord as well. Um, personally, I, I love being over there because as a child, it reminds me that when I was in service as a kiddo, all those songs and Bible stories that I was taught, they got me through some of the darkest challenges and times in my life. Those things would come to mind and I'd be drawn back to Jesus. So if I can help the kids to turn to Jesus when they struggle through life or anything of that nature, then it's awesome chance. Um, I also find serving on a Sunday it reminds me of all the opportunities during the week that I have to serve others around me. It's, we schedule it on Sunday, but it just reminds me that every day I have an opportunity to serve those who I come in contact with and share and show Jesus to them. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, what would you, I imagine in a room this size, you know, there's, there's many of us that might be interested in serving, might be motivated to, but are unsure. What encouragement would you give them? Jump in. Do it. Um, There's lots of teams. There's lots of places to find your place. Uh, Of course, I'm North Valley Kids over there, and I kind of think it's a great place to jump in. So um, jump in and try it out. You don't have to stay there. If kids aren't your thing, there's lots of other places uh, to jump in. But when you do, you won't regret it. You'll find a little community and family right where you serve. Um. There's even places in this church to serve where maybe you're not a very outspoken person. Like, like to think my, like the AV team, this is like the team of introverts. Like we're all just the technical people that like to sit behind the scenes and there is a place for you. If that's, if that's how you, if that's who you are, you come join us. We want to have, we want to have you on our team. Uh, Cause we can do it. We can do it together. So yeah, my encouragement is to give it a try and, uh, um, Maybe step just a little bit outside your comfort zone, like, like being on the stage. <laughs> um, because, you know, it's, it's what we should do, and, and, and it's because we need to love on our, our community. So, and, and loving means serving. Yeah, thanks, guys. Let's give them a hand. That's awesome. Let me pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, thank you for Nick and Crystal and their example to us of self-sacrificial service because they love people and they love the church. God, I pray your continued blessing upon their lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, guys, let me finish off with this. So 
Understanding our position as grace recipients, we've received God's grace, motivates us to serve all others. It's non-selective service, friend and foe alike, as the fullest expression of love as modeled by Jesus Christ himself. Listen, at North Valley, we don't want, this is not a time where we're asking something of you. We're not trying to enlist you into doing something that you don't want to do. Honestly, our heart is to set you free to do what God has created you to do. We believe full-heartedly what the scripture teaches us, that love is evidenced by self-sacrificing service, a service that builds up each other, a service that looks at somebody else and says, I'm going to give of myself for their benefit because I have eternity with Jesus in front of me. I'm not losing anything. I'm gaining everything because of God's unmerited favor in my life. But we understand that this is a process. And so what we want to do is we're going to launch something called Growth Track. Growth Track is an opportunity for you to jump in a little bit further with North Valley, understand who we are as a church, and then grow in your understanding of who you are. So we have four classes, class 101, 201, 301, 401. And what we're going to begin doing starting next Sunday is after service, we're going to have a class every week. So next week will be 101. First week of November, class 101. Second week will be class 201. Third week, 301. Fourth week, 401. Wash, rinse, repeat. Okay? So every month, we're going to have four, the first four weeks of the month, we're going to have four classes. And they're designed to help you grow in your understanding of church, church family, who we are as a church, and grow um, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. How do, I, how do I read the Bible? How do I even begin to understand what God's talking about? And then 301 is designed to help unpack who God created you to be. What's your personality? What's your skill set? You know, Nick is, is making a joke, but it's very true. Some of us are introverts. And so there's certain things that will just drain us of energy. But there's other things that will so motivate us, we could do them time and time again. And it's as if we haven't done anything hard at all. <clears throat> That's what we want to find. We want to find where you fit on Team North Valley so that you can do time and time again self-sacrificing service and you won't even know it. It's like that paper cut. It happens and you don't know it until you wash your hands. That's what we want for you. We want to unleash you to be fulfilled followers of Jesus Christ that are happy and motivated and growing like little weeds. We believe it'll come through a time of teaching to help set this up and so we invite you to participate every week. You jump into 101, great. You miss 201, go to 301. Don't worry about it. The next month, come back around to 201. Just work through it. Grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Grow in your understanding of being part of church family so that you'll be set free to live according to how God created you. It's going to be an awesome and amazing time. And so we invite you to jump in with us and do that and experience God's grace in your life and understand with the eternity of Jesus in view, We can give everything we are because we're going to spend eternity with Jesus. And in that, we've gained everything because of God's grace in our life. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning and this time together. I pray that the truth of your word will sink deeply into our lives and that out of that, we would grow in our understanding of your grace in our lives and the great love of Jesus Christ, that he gave everything he had because he was securely positioned in you, God. Thank you for Jesus' death on the cross on our behalf. God, I pray that we would grow to be Christ followers who love people to the nth degree, friend and foe alike, because of your grace in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.